Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast presented to you in conjunction with Property of Zach. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and we're at episode number 23. We are inching closer to that. Uh, I don't even know, 25th anniversary? I don't even know what you call that, but whatever. I think uh, I'd have to look up what you get a wedding anniversary for a 25th. But um, clearly, 25 episodes is not 25 years, and I really shouldn't be making that big of a deal out of it. In any event, let's get some business out of the way. Um, I mentioned to you Property of Zach. They are one of our new partners on this show. Propertyofzach.com. Go visit that website. You will be able to find the latest news, tour dates, release dates, Whatever you're looking for in regards to independent music, you will be able to find that there. And uh, the reason that I love this site so much is the fact that um, not only does he report on that stuff, when I say he, I mean Zach. So he takes that normal stuff, but then, um, you know, the editorial content that he's able to sprinkle on top of that, either from bands doing like tour blogs or the more in-depth interviews that he does uh, with bands over email or phone or whatever he's doing. Um, yeah, I just, I like it because you can tell that he really pays attention to what's happening within the music scene with that particular band and whether or not he does a ton of research, you know, that doesn't really matter. It's the fact that he's able to kind of get interesting and compelling answers from these people. So check out that site uh, because I am excited to be partnered up with them. So there you go. Two other things. Review the show on iTunes. Go to iTunes, obviously, the iTunes store. Find the 100 Words podcast. And one, stop fucking around and subscribe to the damn show. Um, I do promise you, I've said this in previous episodes, but I promise you that whether or not you give a shit about the person who I'm bringing in as a guest, that's not the most important and compelling component of it. It's the fact that we will have, I promise you, we will have a interesting and hopefully enlightening conversation that um, you'll be able to either apply directly to your own life as far as, you know, experiences within independent culture are concerned, um, or are just simply an interesting story. So subscribe. Secondly, review. Give us five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever you feel the show is worth. That'll take you four seconds. If you want to feel really ambitious, you can review the show as far as a written review is concerned. Um, I really do read them. I compulsively read them. I check every two or three days to be like, hey, has anybody posted something new? Just because that's kind of my personality. So anyways, do that stuff and I can give you digital high fives. And last but certainly not least, visit the website, 100 Words Podcast. Uh, I update it pretty regularly, a few times throughout the week of cool shit I've stumbled across, whether it's music, movies, whatever the case may be, uh, because a lot of people have asked me to do that and say, like, hey, what new music have you listened to recently? Um, because at the end of the day, that's kind of what all of us within the independent music world, so to speak, like we like when our friends or people we trust recommend shit so uh yeah go there and you'll be able to find all that stuff and you can follow us on twitter and all that other fun stuff so anyways uh, this is a long conversation that i had for this episode with ryan russell he is the uh well-known i would say well-known 
uh, photographer, um, rock photographer. I don't even know how he likes to be appropriately labeled, but um, he has made his living as a photographer. And he also does a website called uh, Nervous Energies, which is basically taking a band and putting them in front of a camera and having them do their songs acoustically. Uh, just gives you a really stripped down version of those songs and uh usually it's exclusive from that perspective. So um yeah, I tripped across him via that website and I was already familiar with his photographing work, but then once I kind of started to look into him a little bit more, I've always been a huge fan of photography. I was really into it when I was in high school. I actually was a big nerd in the high school yearbook photographer took photo and all that stuff. I was always pretty terrible at it. Um, I just didn't have that eye, so to speak, but I've always really respected the medium. And when I am very gray or black and white, I wouldn't be gray about it because then I would not really care. But I've always been very black and white with photographers. People either take good photos or they take bad photos. They're not really people that fall in the in-between medium as far as I'm concerned and Ryan takes really good photos like they actually compel me to look at more photos that he's done from previous bands um they convey emotion they do everything that a photo is supposed to do um so yeah I was uh really interested in kind of picking his brain about that and um just kind of more stuff to be discussed uh, I had never met this dude in my life until I hit him up over email and asked him to be on the show and he politely uh, agreed. And then come to find out, we have a ton of similar experiences and same friends and, you know, the fun stuff that keeps us involved in independent culture and music. So, um, yeah, here you go. My interview with Ryan. And uh, hope you enjoy. Thanks. I find especially with independent music it's like people don't just do one thing like do you do you notice that as well where it's just like you're doing like 15 different things at once yeah I, th- I, I definitely notice that I think the ones who figure out how to not do that sometimes end up being the ones that are better off but yeah yes yeah, sort of like the uh what is the saying you know jack of all trades master of none yeah exactly <laughs> I, I, I definitely apply that to myself. <laughs> You're like, I am. I'm seventy percent talented at everything I do. More like like thirty percent. I won't go a full seventy. Got it. Got it. Um, but yeah, so that that was like I said, that's kind of where I first tripped onto your stuff, and you know, um, do you do you like that feeling of like being able to basically control your own stuff, and you know sort of execute that vision i i really do um you know and it's you know even speaking in a broader sense like it's always very interesting you know you obviously you just shared a a personal aspect to your version of how you you know saw my work but like you know i've been doing you know quote band photos for like 12 years and it's crazy all along, like, those 12 years, like, people sharing stories of being like, well, this is where I found out about your work. And it, it's really cool to know that, like, you know, it's, it's always great to be like, oh, you know, I know you from, you know, whatever big band. And, uh, 
But like, you know, if it was something that happened like eight years ago, you're just like, oh man, nobody's finding anything else new though. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that was my touchstone. I, I I topped there. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm glad to know that like people are still like finding things that are, you know, like like they're seeing the new stuff and they're finding out about the new stuff, and then everything in the past is just kind of you know, building from there once they find all that stuff out too. So yeah, it's kind of like a. I mean, it, it, I, I definitely equate it to you know how obviously people get introduced to independent music, where it's it's like an onion. You know, you start to peel away the layers, and you're just like, oh, like there's some you know depth to this, and this person has been doing this thing for a prolonged period of time, or whatever. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's the same idea. Um, so you uh, mentioning that you were from the South? Were you uh, were you born and raised in the uh, the Southern United States of America? I have lived every day of my life in, in Birmingham, Alabama. That's that's yeah, and obviously because of that, you feel a very uh, strong sense of Southern pride. I imagine. I'm not going to call it Southern pride because <laughs> that's like opening the door to be like, oh, you're a racist. <laughs> I know that's why that's why I phrased it as such. But I, you know, I, I definitely. I enjoy Southern culture, um, and, you know, like, like I, I, you know, I don't really, not that I vocalize this, but, like, I'm very interested in, like, the civil rights movements, and so, like, it's really cool to be able to know where you can, if you hear about some story of something happening back then, you can probably drive an hour and go see it. Yeah. Or less. Because, you know, Birmingham was definitely, you know, like one of the hotbeds for all that. And so, you know, growing up, like, you know, I've been to the 16th Street Baptist Church that was bombed and, you know, been to the Selma. I mean, like literally like a week ago, I went to the Selma Bridge where they did the march for Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And so, um, you know, like it's kind of cool. You know, I definitely love it here. But, you know, there's obviously other places in the country that I also love and appreciate for their version of their culture as well. Yeah, I, what I find, I, I think you hit on something where I, because I've always lived on the West Coast, like I lived, was born in Vegas, but essentially Southern California is where I called my home. The traveling anywhere outside of California, and obviously once you start to get to the South and the East Coast, um, there's history. Whereas, like, in California, you know, if we have a building that's, like, 150 years old, like, we're pretty excited about that. But so many places in the South and East Coast, it's like, oh, yeah, you see 150-year-old buildings all the time because we're just older. Yeah. (laughs) And it's sort of, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, obviously, like you were saying, it's sort of ground zero for um, that huge cultural change within, um, you know, our country. So that's pretty cool that you're able to just, like you said, drive an hour and see a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and it's, when you, when you grow up here, like, you know, we, you know, obviously, I think every state, I'm sure does this, but like, you know, you have Alabama history at certain grades, and, you know, even then, like, it's cool for them to, like, when you spend an entire year, like, talking about the state that you live in, like, you can get into the real detailed specifics of things that, like, you know, that you didn't know growing up here, but it wouldn't like people who don't live here wouldn't know about it either. Cause it just gets too specific. Mm-hmm. And when you get those little details, I feel like that it helps tell the story so much better. Yeah. No, that's, 
it's totally true. You know, not just doing the broad strokes. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so, uh, as you were being raised in the South, like, you know, what did your, uh, what did your parents do and what was this sort of, you know, do you have brothers and sisters and sort of the family life that you grew up in? Uh, my mother was a teacher for, it's kind of like over 30 years at the same school. Wow. Um, and she taught second grade. Okay. Um, did you go, my, did you go to that school? <laughs> I was at that school for the first two years. And it sucked because anytime I got in trouble, like she would be all like all about like yeah, you know, paddle them, you know, because <laughs> you know, I'm you know I'm 31 years old, um, you know I don't know people who are like five and ten years younger than me, like what they grew up in elementary school. But if you did something bad, you got paddled. Yeah. And so um, you know there wasn't there wasn't any detention or any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> and so she would be like, yeah, you know, like. Teach them a lesson, you know? Um, sure, sure. Because she knew, like, you know, like, she knew the, like, the authoritativeness of that, like, yeah, would, like, you know, be more, do more good than harm. Yeah, so. it would have, it would have an impact on you. Like, I don't care what your opinion is on corporal punishment, it will have an effect, period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, in, in looking back, like, it's... It's not, you know, I could see somebody being like, oh, it scarred me. Like, it's just downright funny because the stuff that I got in trouble for was, like, hilarious stuff. Nothing bad, you know? (laughs) What did did you do to get in trouble in uh, first and second grade? (laughs) I don't know if I want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. We will gloss over that. Uh, Uh, Let's just say there was definitely, like, some sand being thrown at people in one case where... It was definitely like not fun for the other person. <laughs> so. Which, which is, uh, you know, it's okay. These things, you, you're you're young. You have no idea what yeah. you're doing. And it, you know, and that sounds really like like vague and like he threw sand. What does it matter? Yeah. Trust me, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we, we we won't do anything to incriminate you, especially because you obviously live in your same community. So. Um, so yeah, what your mom taught school, and then what did your uh, what did your dad do? He he um he's done two like different but similar things. Like he he was married before he met my mom, mm-hmm. but like he's you know he's older. He was born. Oh man, this is terrible. It's okay. I think like early forties even. Oh okay. Um, but he was in the Korean War, and, you know, he did that. Like, he, he lied and joined when he was, like, 15 or 16, and, like, he did that. And then when he got discharged, from, you know, like, like once the war was over, um, he he was a cop for, like, 20 years. Wow. And I think about, you know, the, the, you know these numbers may not line up because I'm, I'm kind of just going off the top of my head, but I think in the 70s, when he met my mom, he moved to Birmingham because he's from Iowa, which is kind of funny. The fact that, like, if I tell anybody that he's from Iowa, they're like, all right, that's why you don't have a southern accent. Um, he influenced you that way. <laughs> but he's like, he's way more redneck than my mom is. Um, <laughs> but he he basically was in, like, full-time Air National Guard when he moved down here. So he basically went from Army to police force, 
to like you know Air National Guard. Wow. And he was like military police and Air National Guard, you know, until he retired when I think it's 60, they require you to retire. So, mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a, I mean, obviously you put those sort of uh, uh, archetypes of what a, you know, an, uh, an authoritative father job could be. And those are like. Do you have the cop and the military mixed into one? Yeah, totally, totally. Did you, uh, did you find him to be like super strict and hard on you? He he definitely wasn't like, you know, like you have that, that. There's always that joke of like, oh, your bed's not made the wrong, like the right way. <laughs> yeah. He definitely wasn't like that. It was just more so like, you know, when from where he grew up and from, you know, the time period he grew up, like, like he doesn't, um, like he doesn't understand. He knows what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very well aware. And so, like, but, like, for him, like, he doesn't get how I can make a living at it and, like, those kind of things. Because both of my parents, although they, like, you know, obviously they've owned CDs in their lifetime. <laughs> right. There are, you know, a couple CDs, more so cassettes and LPs. They're not, like, into music at all. Right. And so it's one of those things where it was just kind of basically, like, him, you know, he he wasn't. It was just kind of once he understood something, he was cool with it. Yeah, you know? it, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to a friend the other day, and the concept that, that a lot of our parents have to sort of grasp is, especially with like everything that we're kind of involved in, essentially is viewed to them as a hobby. You know, it's like how like photography like oh that's a hobby like yeah of course there are people that do make a living of it but you know they're taking pictures for supermodels in vogue and so being able to reconcile the idea that like oh this this hobby like my kid's able to make a living out of this like i don't understand like that doesn't equate you know yeah the really funny part about that is like you know they're 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 both definitely down like i you know i don't want to portray it like they're not but like they they still like like oh why don't you get a job you know doing computer stuff and it's like they don't even know what they're like what they're trying to say they just know that i know how to use a computer (laughs) and so they're just like oh you should do some computer stuff (laughs) and so that's so good um but it's really funny like when certain things have come out you know like over the past couple years like there's been like certain things that would happen where it would be the recognition or something big and they would, you know, you talk to them that day and they're like all about photography. Surprisingly. <laughs> That's a, what, what was the, uh, what was the one project in your mind over the past few years where it was like, that was the case that particular day they were like, Oh yeah, my son is a photographer. I definitely, you know, this is going to sound weird, but like, um, like, they love Paramore, mm-hmm. and so they, they've never heard a Paramore song in their entire life. <laughs> yeah. But, but they were just like, you know, like, you know, one basically one day, when, when Ryan went platinum, you know, the band sent me a record, and when that showed up at the door, like, they were just like, what have you ordered? It had sent to this house, because it was so big, and they were just like, you know, you shouldn't be spending money on... They thought it was like a table or something. Oh my god, amazing! 
And so they went ahead and like opened it before I got there because they were just like, like, how is he even going to get this in his car to back to his apartment? And, um, and they saw it and they told like all of their friends. And so none of their friends even, even remotely come close to even knowing who the band is. And I'm just like, why? Like you're telling them about a band that your friends don't even know about. And you're also like broadcasting, like, like, you guys hate photography. Like, why are you even, like, triumphing this right now? <laughs> That's so funny. They don't hate it, but, like, they totally, they, I totally, even today, like, even two days ago I was there, they were just like, oh, you know, like, I heard there's some, you know, there's some cool jobs that, um, you know, you know, such and such business, you know, installing, like, internet service. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You don't even know that. You don't even know what that means. Right, right. That's so. That's so amazing that they they still constantly suggest the you know drop these not so subtle hints at you in order to. Hey, what, Ryan? Maybe you can get a real job one of these days. Oh, dude! And the the funniest thing, and I like this is my favorite story of all, and I I'm so glad that I get to tell it. <laughs> the I I graduated in high school. In 99, um, and I graduated college in 2006. Um, like, gotta be like four months after I graduated, I had my first photo in Rolling Stone, like in the, in the proper magazine, not online. Mm -hmm. The same week, an, an article that like my friend had written because she needed to like write an article for like the school paper came out and they flipped out about the school paper because they were like, oh man, that's the university. And I'm like, you don't even understand. Like this is my first Rolling Stone photo. Like, and so I think I'm pretty sure they threw the Rolling Stone in a drawer. And then I think they like gave copies of the student paper to like their friends and stuff. Oh, that is incredible. And so, cause, cause like my mom, I went to the university of Alabama at Birmingham okay. and that, that's where my mom went to. And so like for her, like it legitimizes it because she understands that that's like a thing, you know? And so like, she's never read a copy of Rolling Stone, you know? I mean, she, she knows about it, but like, she doesn't understand that that's like an achievement that someone that, or, you know, someone like me or actually me, you know, wanted to do their whole lives. And so, that's awesome. That that yeah, you're like the thing that you should probably be more excited about is the thing that obviously you like you said you put in the drawer. <laughs> yeah. So did you and you have uh, siblings as well or no? I have one older sister mm -hmm. who, um, she's married, has two kids. Like she's totally living. But she's basically like and became a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, like. You know, she's basically living my mom's life. And she lives in Tampa. She doesn't live in Birmingham. Got it, got it. And, like, you know, like, obviously we grew up together, but, like, we aren't, like, like we don't, we're not, like, close or anything, you know? Sure, you're you're polar opposite. Like, your life has led you down two completely different paths, and, you know, when you see each other, it's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was definitely, like, and I was the younger brother, and so, like, it's, so like, every person listening to this right now, like, Oh, they must not get along. You know, we don't not get along, but like, you know, growing up, it was definitely like we had our, 
are like sibling battles. So of course, yeah, you had this sort of typical older sibling versus younger sibling rival, oh, yeah. rivalry. It's definitely like you know, oh, you're the you know you're the younger child, so you're getting spoiled. So I'm gonna kind <laughs> of not like you. Um, but the funny thing is, her like she has two daughters, oh. and the two daughters like love me, and like they're the best. Like you know, I'm so stoked when I get to see them. Uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's like this weird thing where, like, you're closer to her kids than you are her. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes sense because it's like, you know, I'm sure they view, like, you and, and, you know, you're sort of the independent lifestyle that you live as far as, uh, you know, what you do for a profession. But then, you know, you're, you're just, like, down to goof around with them just because that's essentially what we've done our whole lives. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely think that, like, a lot of people – like, a lot of their relatives and stuff, like, are all very, like, you know, by-the-book adult-minded. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, you know, you know, I still, you know, later today, I'm probably going to look up some Transformers on eBay, you know? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. I treat them, like, I treat, like, I'm an adult, but I treat them like kids who just want to have fun. And so, like, we'll do silly stuff. I don't think... Like I know, no, I know nobody on my side of the family. Like, you know, they all love my nieces, but like, they're adults and they're a lot older, so they're not like, you know, they're not going outside. Like, yeah, let's go to the playground with them, and you know, like, like having like playing with them like a kid would play with another kid instead of playing it. It's always like adult showing a kid, like, all right, we're gonna go to the zoo and look at this stuff, you know. So it's kind of like, yeah. They know I'm down. Yeah. So. No, no, that's cool. That's that's awesome that you're able to have that relationship with them. Um, so as you were as you were coming up and like, you know, going into high school, kind of a two part question. One, when did sort of independent music come into your life? Um, and two, what was your high school experience like? Were you know, were you the uh yearbook photographer? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um that's the but thing is like that whole thing is a funny story. But um <laughs> Independent music for me, like, I, the very first music I ever heard, like, in the mornings, like, you know, like, you know, kindergarten, first grade, I would always ride my mom to school because we went to the same school, and it was, like, 30 minutes away from our house. Um, So she'd be getting ready, and I would watch, like, cartoons, but, like, I also watched MTV. So the very first song I ever heard in my entire life was Metallica 1. Oh. Um, and, like, you know, instead of this, like, I'm not, like, a big metal guy, but I still love that song. And so, you know, this was, like, like, I was in kindergarten in 87. Like, this is, like, showing my age so much in this interview. It's but, all right. It's all right. We are, hey, we're, we're the same age, so it's okay. Are you really? All right. Yes. Well, are you 81? <laughs> I, I was born in 80, so I think I'm maybe a little bit older than you. Wow. Okay. Now you're the old guy. Yeah, I huh? am the old guy. And so, you know, I listened, like... They used to show, like, Ramones videos and Cure videos and Clash videos. So I was always into those bands growing up. I really didn't, like, you know, I liked music, but I didn't, like, go out and buy CDs all the time and stuff. Like, I would listen to the radio and whatever else. But it it definitely was when Nirvana Nevermind came out that, like, that was the first time where I understood, you know, not that that's independent, but... I understood that 
all right, CDs come out on a certain date, and you can go to the store on that date and buy it. That's that's pretty that's that's very revelatory. Yeah, and so like you understood that like all right, like this is a thing. It's not just like it's just not it's not things just floating around. Like I think my first album ever was Def Leppard Hysteria that I bought on a cassette tape at Kmart. Nice. You know? um, but Nirvana Nevermind came out. I bought it the day it came out. I can't remember if it's 91 or 92. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 92. Yeah, and, right. And, like, I went to a local music store here that I ended up shopping at for a while um, and bought it, and it was cool. And I, n- I never really understood the difference. I never understood what, like, a, an independent label was until I got into Green Day. Like, I got into Green Day, you know, like when Dookie came out and all that kind of stuff. But when I, like, I loved Green Day Girl. I mean, it's still probably in my top five favorite bands of all time. Um, you know, and I, 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 I like the new stuff, too. Um, but when I understood that they had albums that came out before Dookie that you can't really find at the normal stores, like, that was, so, like, Lookout Records was the very first label that I ever understood, like, all right, this is an independent label. And, you know, this is a major label, you know? Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that because I had a totally same experience where it, 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 like, didn't compute in my mind that something would have existed before Dookie. I, like, I honestly kind of viewed those things as, like, these are, like, undiscovered gems. Like, who, like, how did these even come to exist? Like, I still didn't grasp the concept of, like, an independent record label because these, I think these were just things that were, like, this secret world that you just tripped on. Yeah, and, and definitely between between Nevermind and Dookie, like, you know, I was I really liked Smashing Pumpkin's Siamese Dream. Like, I was a huge Oasis fan in high school. And so like once you understood the concept of there might be albums that you don't know about from bands, like I started like find like like looking for stuff. Nice. And, and, like, even Oasis, like, I remember, like, going, we had a local record store called Magic Platter. And the guy who owned it is a guy named Don Van Cleve, who some of the older people would, there was this thing called Sims. And basically, they were the ones who got promos for whatever labels an artist into record stores. So that when you went in there, like, if you saw an end cap or displays, like, Sims was the company that did it. Yep, I worked, and, uh, I worked at an indie record store. I know that extremely well. <laughs> so Sims is based out of Birmingham. Yep. And, and he owned, basically, he owned Magic Platter before he started Sims. And I would go in that store, and he would have everything. Like, you could go in there, you would see all the CD singles. And so I got really into, like, import singles and all that kind of stuff. And so, like... You know, it kind of spiraled up from there. Um, and then, you know, my first, like, my first label that I ever loved that was, like, completely independent was Fat Records. Like, you know, Lagwagon is always, you know, a super important band to me. Like, you know, Lagwagon strung out no use for a name. Um, and so they were the first label. Like, you know, everybody has that label, like, when they were growing up, where it might be Victory or Bridge Nine or whoever. Mine was Fat Records, so nice, nice. That's cool. So, and this was all kind of coming into your your view as you were going through high school. And what what was your uh, you know? Did you enjoy high school? Was it one of those things where you kind of just couldn't wait to get out? Or, I mean, I enjoyed it. It definitely, um, 
you know, the high school that I went to, um, you I'm sure, I don't know how it is in California, but it, you know, there's a lot of cities that have it. Like I'm about to describe it. Like we had it where, you know, it's the whole white flight thing where, you know, people, especially in Birmingham, like, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, like it would be like this weird racial thing where like, you would have like really white schools and then you would have really African-American schools. Mm. And so if your school, like, you know, they started like busing in people from like the schools and like, like, I don't want to call it the city schools or any of that kind of stuff, but like they would integrate students that shouldn't be going to your school Mm. only because their school was over like overcrowding. And so I like, I started to like basically so like the school that I went to was predominantly white and then as it got to junior high and high school that's when the busing in started happening and you know like I you know I'm sure somebody's listening to this are like oh he sounds like a racist uh, but I'm I'm completely for that like why should people have to go to a school because it's overcrowded just because they live near it like you know bring kids in it's cool like people need to be around people they're not around, you know, regardless if it's a race difference or if it's a, you know, religious belief difference or whatever, any kind of differences, people need to be around different people because that's how shit needs to work. Yeah. Um, that, that it brought, it broadens their own cultural horizons and they understand like, Oh, everybody isn't like me. Yeah. And so, so basically, you know, the later years of high school, it ended up being like just more awkward because you know, the staff at the school that I went to started, like, thinking they had to, like, crack down on, like, certain things. And so, you know, we didn't have uniforms, but it's like, all right, you're not allowed to, you know, you have to tuck in your shirts all day. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, like, why, like you think somebody's, like, hiding a gun at all times under their pants and you tucking it in is going to, like, you know, show that they're not carrying one? Like, that's insane. Right. Um. So for like my last two years of high school, I left and went to a different school because I, you know, I basically was just like, this school is insane. I'm not going to go here anymore. And, um, and the, like, you know, the actual education level there was terrible, but, um, Got it. It, you know, I, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. So like, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand. I'm going to compromise it here. I'll, so that way maybe this will make sense, but it's like, I really enjoyed high school. I, you know, I was definitely, you know, for people who have seen me, like I'm like six, five, I look like a football center. Um, and so like when you're like, when you're the big guy growing up, like there's always those people that fuck with you. But you know, at the same time, I'm six, five, I can pretty much, <laughs> yeah, you know, fucking destroy anybody in high school that wanted to fuck with me. And, so, did pe- did people like because you were such a tall dude and obviously like a uh, you know large presence? Did people you know were you, were you a target in some ways? That was like the nicest way you could have said that a large presence. Uh, well, you know I uh, <laughs> no, no I get it no yeah. but I'm, I'm saying that's hilarious. But, <laughs> um, not not I'm not gonna say that was a target, but it's kind of like one of those things where you know and I I, I swear this is true for anybody and so. Anybody listening, if you had this experience, I want you to email me and be like, yo, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Good. Good call. But it's kind of like when you, you know, you're not a target, but at the same time, like, 
if you were to do something that's stupid, like you get told it's stupid twice as much as a normal person would. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it, you know, and so I definitely think that, you know, like like I'm I'm very, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm like ultra competitive when it comes to photography, and it's definitely because of like. You know, growing up in high school, I was, you know, I was relatively smart. I was in, like, the gifted program and did, like, AP classes and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, like, there was nothing, there was nothing that I was, like, the best at. And so I didn't, I never owned a camera in my entire life until the second year of college. Wow. I never took art classes. I never did any kind of art. Um, like, I was, I, I did, well, I did web design back in like you know 97 like around that era when like you know you use front page or people yeah. who are really old remember like the aol member pages um sure. geocities yeah you know, totally <laughs> um and you know like web design was not an art major it was a computer science major because it was more about programming than it was designed back when you know before websites and all this became so huge um so my first two years of college i was computer science major and you had to take at least one art elective so i took a photography class and um i did this you know this is probably going to answer a question that you might have asked later on but yeah yeah, no i you're i see where you're going um you know i did a website for a band in birmingham called haste um you know and everybody's like haste today and i'm like no it's haste Dude, I worked I worked with that band because I worked at Century Media. For- Did you? All right, do you know Tom Bagrowitz? Of course, Tom B. Yeah, great dude. All right, this is gonna be this is some good times right now. <laughs> Haste is from Birmingham. I did their website starting with the album When Reason Sleeps. Okay. Up until the end of the band, and so you know, I was getting in this photography class um, late. It was basically going to be a fall two thousand class. And I started doing the website summer 2000 and I, you know, they were like, you know, we don't really have any content. And I was like, Hey, I'll buy a camera. I'm going to need it for this class anyways. And I'll just come shoot a couple of photos at the shows. So that way we have more content. Um, and so, you know, doing that, that was like, that was it. That was the start of the whole thing. I literally bought a camera because I did a website for this band and I needed photos for it. And I was, just beginning photography class. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love how it's like most people have this sort of, I needed to do this, so I did this. Like it, that's just like the mo- like the simplest explanation for things that, you know, you end up doing and you end up obviously doing for a long time. It's just like, well, I needed this, so I did it myself. Yeah, and it's, you know, like, I mean, there was plenty of people like, you know, Haste was, you know, up and coming at the time and they were coming out. And, um... You know, so there are definitely people who shot photos of them, but it was kind of like I lived in Birmingham, and they're from Birmingham, and so like, you know, I I remember sitting in the studio, um, Synchromesh Studios, where all the Hayes records were recorded, and and you know, photographing them, you know, writing that record, and like, you know, I had no idea really what I was doing. Right. I just knew that the exposures kind of worked, so I was like, all right, cool. Um. And, um, and so it just, you know, it, it, for two years, 
I, w- I would say from like summer 2002 till basically Fugazi played Birmingham in March 2002. From summer 2000 to March 2002, I only did haze photos for like two years. So my very first band to shoot that's not haste and my very first photo pass is fugazi that's a pretty legit photo pass and it, funny enough tom bagerwitz is friends with them and that's how i got to do it because they were playing birmingham you know i had worked with tom on, on tons of haste stuff obviously because he was the designer for all the records and he was just like hey you know you should really shoot the, like i i knew a fugazi but until like 2000, probably 2001, when Tom played me Fugazi like a couple months before they were going to play here, like I didn't really listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew Minor Threat, but I didn't know Fugazi. Um, and so, like, you know, I definitely feel like that I appreciated it at the time. But like, ever since then, it only doubles every year of like, holy shit, that was your first photo pass. And yeah. <laughs> So like now, I appreciate it immensely. Right, right. In, in retrospect, you're like that. Wow, that was a very special thing to happen for my first sort of run. It's really weird to have. I mean, like you know, like I think most people that do tour or like work for bands, like they love collecting passes. So the fact that I have a Fugazi laminate that I use, <laughs> like you know, because Fugazi is the band that you know, like why do they even have laminates? But like. The fact that I have one is kind of insane, you know? <laughs> right. You should just continually wear that, like, on any tour you're on, just as a conversation piece. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons for people to, like, talk shit about me anyway, so I'm sure that I don't want to add that one to the mix. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Talk about all the fucking bands he shot, you yeah, know? who cares? Uh, um... When did you, uh, in your own mind, when did things... Again, kind of a two-part question... Um, you know, became real for you where it's like, you know, I mean, maybe it was getting a platinum record from Paramore. Um, and then when was the, uh, you know, even though you did graduate college um, and obviously your parents still want you to get another job. Um, but did you ever have to have that conversation with your parents where it's like, Hey, I'm not going to be doing this because I am pursuing this career in photography. That conversation happens weekly. That's what happened. <laughs> and it has been for like the past eight years it's an ongoing conversation oh dude totally because you know like it's just so funny that like you know they've like met bands and stuff and like you know like i've had bands come over to the house because um you know they live like 30 minutes out like they basically my mom you know like on her like last year or two of teaching she like built a house she wanted to live out where she had been teaching for 30 years, which was 30 minutes away, because she was more in, in tune with that community than the one that we were living in. And so she built a house there. And so, you know, but she lives like like they live in this awesome place where like it's kind of like it's not in the boonies, but it is. And so like there's tons of photo spots around it. So I've brought bands to the house because we were like, you know, because that's where we're, we're going to meet up to go do photos. And like, it's just kind of funny. Like, even though she sees these bands coming over, like, <laughs> it's still not real. Dude, they they want me to be a wedding photographer so bad. They're oh. just, oh my God, you're going to make the real money doing weddings. <laughs> that's incredible. And so that, what in your own mind, like when, 
when was this sort of a realist moment for you where it's like you felt like the uh, the switch had proverbially flipped that was like, okay, like I guess I should view myself as this legitimate photographer or that when I go overseas that on my customs form I need to write photographer. <laughs> um, so basically like my degree was in graphic design and I saw, you know, like I always thought that I was going to do graphic design and album art and all that kind of stuff and the photos were kind of like, all right, and cool, I can kind of shoot some photos. Um, before, like, you know, first two years were computer science. So when I switched major to graphic design, I basically had to do four extra years in that and because I took a bunch of extra classes. Because I took, I took all the photo classes, even though it wasn't my degree, just because I knew that I needed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they didn't go towards, like, you know, I probably took six photo classes, but only needed three, and so... And ended up prolonging myself to the the six year plan. Um, but before I graduated, like I was already getting magazine covers and stuff. And it's kind of surreal when, like, you know, and it might be a little easier for people now, where it's not that big a deal. But like, you know, my first magazine cover was Queens of the Stone Age. Um, that's, that's huge. And it was for Decibel. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like, like. The number one thing, and I hope that you have a story that's like this, like when MySpace was like still cool and like not just insane amounts of people were on it, you could look up people in bands or editors at magazines and add them. And if your photos were on your MySpace page, they would contact you. So I got my first cover with Decibel because I added Albert, who's the editor. He saw like a bunch of photos that I had shot and he was like, Hey, do you want to go shoot Queens of the Stone Age in two days opening for Nine Inch Nails? Sure. Let's do that. You know, like that's incredible. No, I mean, I knew that obviously like contact, it was easier to kind of weed through that from the, you know, that perspective, but that's amazing. Yeah. And so did you, did you, was the cover that you did for Decibel, the one with uh, like Josh Holm, like smoking a cigarette? Or was yes. That- that's it. Dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a and that like I even to this day like you know and like like I I I don't think I've done much with decibel since like and I'm super stoked that like I got to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. But I feel like that man. I like the way that I probably went about it. They were probably like, oh my god, what have we gotten ourselves into, this kid? Um, because I remember like I mailed them like. I was like, all right, cool. I'll mail you the photos. And so I mailed them four by six photos with negatives. I was like, here you go. And it's like, that's not how it works. (laughs) They're like, could you please make something easier for us to use? (laughs) But, you know, so that was like the first, that was like a, like a big milestone. Um, when I graduated in 06, um, and I, you know, this is, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Two weeks after I graduated, Century Media emailed me, and they were like, hey, we want you to fly to Miami to shoot Diecast. And, and You're blowing my mind right now. Holy shit. It's really weird. Dude, I remember when Abacus was started, all that stuff. Dude, um, that was me. Really, was it? <laughs> yeah, I was, I, w- I was working at Century Media, and then the uh, one morning my boss woke up and was like, hey, so you're going to do this whole Abacus thing with a few other staff members, and then here you go. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm 22. I don't know what I'm doing. So, okay, touching on that, the, I had, like, when I, when Haste When Reason Sleeves came out, yeah, 
one of my first live photos is in the record. It was just like they had like a bunch of photos inside it, and one of mine was in there. Okay. Mercury Lift was yes. my very first album cover. Really, dude, and that's still like I came in right as that record, like the record was already assembled. But yeah, that's still to this day like one of my. I just love that layout. Just super sleek, simple, awesome. That's so so, cool. so half the photos are Tommy, and the other half are my photos. That's amazing. And so, so that you flew you flew out to diecast. So yeah, so in '06, like two weeks after graduating, it was like the very first time I'd ever been asked to fly anywhere. And so I was like, all right, I guess this, I guess I'm going to be doing photos from now on and not design. And it's kind of just taken a life of its own since then. Um, you know, like there's so many bands that I got to work with, like in '05 and '06, that kind of like set the stage um, to get to do what I'm doing now. And so. The timing was just right, you nice. know. It just worked, and you know, like later on that year in August, like Mastodon, like the, I went on my very first tour. It was Mastodon and Converge in the Bronx, and um, you know, I did a week. I mean, I knew Mastodon pretty well at that point because we had done. I did the photos for Blood Mountain, and I, you know, they live in Atlanta. I live in Birmingham, and so I would drive over and hang out with them, but. You know, to be on tour with them and Converge, like, for your very first tour ever was, like, all right. Mind-blowing. It's kind of, it's mind-blowing, but at the same time, like, like, I'm glad that my photos looked good because I had no idea why that I was there. (laughs) Right. I mean, I love both of those bands, but it's kind of like, I didn't deserve to be there. Right. You, You felt, you felt like someone at some point made an error in inviting you. Yeah, and it's like you know, I totally I went for fun. Like I wasn't getting paid to do it, but I was just like, oh, I'm, like I I I love to converge. I still do. I just heard that new song today, and it's so good. Um, but uh, you know, and then it ended up being funny. Like after that tour, like one of my first photos that ever became like publicly known were these live photos of Converge in '04 on the You Fail Me tour, and you know, so when I when I was with Mastodon, like, you know, Converge remembered me from that. And I ended up doing um, the album photos for the record that was coming out at the end of 06. Oh, I forget what it's called. No Heroes? It was No Heroes. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's kind of weird how, like, when you when you do... I'm so rambling, but whatever. No, um, no. Well, it, it... I think it... I mean, you are rambling, but I think it's good because it's like people people sometimes don't understand that it's like it totally is a domino effect where it's like once you get to know this person and then they trust you and they're like yo this guy's good like he can take care of you for whatever you need whether it's photography whether it's record label whatever um your reputation does precede you and if you're perceived in any way shape or form as being difficult or not cool it's like dude it's so difficult to shake that with an independent music and like have people trust you if you do break someone's trust anywhere from the the smallest of bands to the largest of bands yeah um i you know just like a quick whatever about that domino effect like you know i i i predominantly think that the, the label i've worked for the most is warner brothers whether it be like warner brothers proper or atlantic um the only reason that I did any of it was because of Pelican. I messaged Pelican on MySpace and was like, hey, I really, I love your band. This is like 05. 
I love your band. Is there anywhere I can like order stickers? And they were just like, oh, we don't have any, but we'll have some on our tour coming up. And they ended up looking at my photos and, you know, and so they were like, hey, do you want to come over to the show in Atlanta and shoot some stuff? I'm like, sure. I shot it. And I went out to dinner with them that, that day with a girl and the girl was best friend with Mastodon. And she saw the photos and she was like, oh, I'm going to tell them about you. And then so they told Mastodon. So I shot Mastodon and you know did for a couple of years. Mastodon's UK publicist is a girl named Emma. Emma also does Slayer and Taking Back Sunday. So I was, you know, when they needed a photo shoot for Terrorizer for Slayer, she was like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, of course, it's Slayer. Like, are you kidding me? Like, right. Um, so I drove to Atlanta, did the Slayer shoot, and she was, you know, she was there in person because it was like for an album coming up. And, uh, and Tom Araya was talking to her about Taking Back Sunday because apparently, like, her his kids and himself were big Taking Back Sunday fans. This was like '06. Wow, that just that that just made my head explode right there. That's incredible. it does, and and they like <laughs> like the height of ladder now. And so I heard him tell that to Emma, and then like a week later, after we got done with Slayer proofs and all that. I was like, hey, you know, like, I love taking back Sunday. I heard him tell you that you did that. You know, they're coming here. I would love to do some photos. And so they put me in touch with the manager, Jillian. And Jillian is like, she's one of the best. And she's very hands-on with managing taking back Sunday. And so she personally went and looked at the photos and was like, I love it. Come do it. And, you know, ended up shooting. It was like taking back Sunday, Angels and Airwaves. Um, head automatic and the sublays, and I shot the show, you know, and that was like, you know, Taking Back Sunday is like one of the first, like, big, big bands that, like, I had, like, a real, like, ironclad, constantly touring with kind of thing. And so, you know, so basically, you got to shoot when your favorite band is Taking Back Sunday because you emailed Pelican asking them for stickers. Yeah, dude, that's so, yeah, I love. I love that type of stuff because it's like you never, especially this past, like, I don't know, two or three years, just for myself personally, um, the, there is a certain power to like saying yes, where it's like, you know, even though it may be something that you're scared of or whatever, where it's like, if you say yes to something more often than not, something else will happen. That's really random because you said yes, you know, six months ago or whatever. So it's like, yeah, that exact thing that you're talking about is, is totally, I mean, it's a really important, important point for people to understand that it's like whatever they're doing and if they want to be successful at it, it's like the strangest of things can come from the most smallest of uh, interactions. And so, Oh, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you know, a lot of people like when they email me, they ask me like, like, you know, how did you do this? And I'm just like, you know, like I, I have never, I have not had a real job since the summer of 99 like that's awesome you know and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> right you're like I there's can't... definitely been times where it was scary and it was just like oh my god like why why am i why am i in this boat but like when you you know it's really hard to explain to somebody like how just coincidental it all is 
And and I think it's very coincidental. I also think that it's understanding how to work social media to your favor of knowing how other people think and approach things. And so that way you can, you know, like when you added, when I added Albert from Decibel, I, you know, like you make sure like your MySpace page, you made sure that it was on the info so that you don't have to click anything to see photos. When he goes to your page, he immediately saw a really good photo. You have to like have that mentality of like, try, I mean, I don't want to call it marketing because it's kind of like. No, it's, know, it's, pres- it's, it's how you present yourself. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people, people try to, to do things a certain way and make it all cool and hipster and all that. And it's like, if the photos are good, the photos are good. And as long as you approach somebody and you let them know that you're down, like, and that you're not, you know, the one thing that bands don't want to be are stepping stones. Like nobody, nobody cares about you coming to shoot their band. If you're just trying to shoot a bigger band that they're opening for, mm-hmm. you know? And like, like nobody wants that, in, that insincerity of like, you know, I've I've turned down photo shoots with with big bands because I've hated the bands. You know, like like and I just thought like, all right, I can go shoot this band and make this much money, or I can not be a douche and be a little bit more broke. But like, you know, like why you know why do you want to lie to somebody and like shoot photos of their band just to get you popular? You know, and I definitely think that it's lying. Like. And I, you know, every interview that I've ever done about this and when, when I've talked about it online, you know, the sincerity of, like, people who work for bands are always going to be the ones, you know, the ones that have the sincerity are always going to be the ones that come out on top because bands are not stupid. And as stupid as you think bands are and as mismanaged as you may think they are, like, you know, they definitely know how to smoke out people that are just along for the ride. Um, yeah, totally, totally. And so I just, you know, you know, and it, it's, I don't know, like, I, I guess I'll tell this story because it's funny and it's like, not, not that I was like officially offered, but like, you know, I got asked to go on tour with Justin Bieber like two years ago and it was, it was, and it wasn't because people loved my photo. It was because I, like one of my friends worked there, like okay. in, um, in a business that works on the tour stuff and, and was just like, like, Hey, like you might get a phone call from a management guy about doing this tour. You know, I just want to make sure you're down for doing it before I tell them, like, it's like between you and like two or three other guys that they want. And I told them, no, like I didn't want to do it mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, you know, I you know who knows who knows how much money they. Made. It was like an Asian and European tour too, oh, and, and like there's no telling how much money. But at the same time, like, you know, for me, like I just I'm not good at lying to people. Like I don't like it, and so I don't want to lie to somebody and shoot the photos of their band and be like, and act like I'm stoked for it when like when I know that I despise them. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's just like. It... There's a... I thought I despised Justin Bieber for if there's any Justin Bieber fans that are wanting to kill me right now. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a lot of Justin Bieber fans that listen to this podcast. But... Yes, there's a huge crossover, but you know, I, I think you, I think you identified where it's just like there's a difference between, um, you know, obviously a job and a job that you're passionate about, and those are two completely separate things. And you know, 
a lot of the times when you are involved in what we're involved in, it's, you know, they are mutually exclusive. It's like you can just walk into it and be like, yo, this is a job. I have to do this because I have to pay the rent or whatever the case may be. But then I'm going to go back to the work that I normally feel passionate about. Um, and like you said, you just don't want to, you know, you don't want to misrepresent yourself and, you know, sit there and lie to people's faces when it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what it is that you do. You can't ever view things as it's going to last forever because it's not like, that's the band mentality of bands that like keep playing like way past their prime. Um, If they're having fun, that's all that matters. You know, when they're, when they're doing it and they're not having fun, but they have to do it to keep alive. I think that's when it gets iffy, but it's kind of like, you know, like you have to just make it, it has to be on your terms, and it's cool to know that, like, everything that you did and that you got, you did it all yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people definitely were involved and, like, you know, hyped you up and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, there wasn't an agent. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything. Like, you were just a dude who went out and shot photos, and people liked them. Yeah. And and that's how it went, you know? No, for sure. Um, I wanted to touch on one last thing to sort of, you know, wrap wrap it up. Um, just because, like I said, you know, one of my first exposures to, you know, you outside of the photography work was that obviously the nervous engine stuff and nervous energies, energies. I don't know why I call it engines, um, <laughs> nervous energies. No, it's... Um, that was, uh, born out of the just desire to obviously explore a different medium. And just because you obviously already knew so many bands that it was kind of like, Hey, this is something cool that I can kind of capture a moment in time. I, I like literally I was bored. Yeah. I was bored and I was just like, all right, like, like, you know, it, it, I, you know, I don't, I don't talk about gear and interviews and stuff, but like, you know, like the one thing that was like a big thing when I was doing stuff is I only shot film. So from 2000 to, to 2010, every photograph that anybody's ever seen is film. And so in 2010, I bought a digital camera because at that point um, I was just like, you know, I didn't care. Like, you know, people always talk about the aesthetic of film and I, I had been using it for so long that I just didn't care. Like I wanted to try something new and like in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I don't really like digital photos, but maybe if I shoot digital photos, then like, Maybe, you know, maybe that's what everybody needs is me to show them how it's done with the digital camera, which is totally incorrect. Like, no, nobody cares. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it has HD video on the camera that I got. And so um, a friend of mine had recorded this EP, and she, like, you know, she loves to do, like, lo-fi recordings that sound like they're from, like, through a telephone or something. And I really liked it. And I was just like, man, like, I really love these songs, why don't we like film them and then I'll do the audio and that way we can, not only do I get to have versions that don't sound like they're through a telephone, like it'll be this funny thing that we put up and I put it up and it got like, I think it got like 500 views the first week. And I was just like, Oh, that's insane. And so, you know, the next week fake problems was coming through. I'd already done photos with them before. And, um, so I filmed them put it up the next day, like, you know, all these news sites were covering it. And so I was just like, all right, maybe maybe this is something I can do. I, I had actually already had 
the Nervous Energy's domain name because I had tried to do this art project, um, and I was going to call it Nervous Energies, and it just it, it was stupid, so I didn't do it. And so I was like, all right, well, cool. I'll call this acoustic thing Nervous Energies, and um, it, it is crazy. Like I don't like you know like I don't have publicists. I don't. I, I do literally do like when I do a video. This is going to be so funny because people are going to be so mad. When I when I get a video, I upload it. I email Thomas at Absolute Punk. And I'm like, hey man, I got a new video. Will you put it on the site. He puts it on the site, and then it explodes for the rest of the day. Um, and that's it. Like I don't send out a mass email to a bunch of labels and stuff. Um, you know, like Thomas is my guy, and so you know, I definitely give him huge credit for you know for for caring enough to put them up when I, when I needed them to back when nobody knew what it was. Sure. Um, and you know, not only that, you know, I don't, I don't know who wrote the story at all press, um, about the fake problems one, but you know, they've definitely been cool about posting about it as well. And so it's, it's turned into like this weird thing. Right. You're just like, well, joking, I'll tell you this. I keep joking about that. I'm going to do this and I may do it. And I don't know. I haven't decided. But I may shut it down in November. Okay. I think whenever the two-year anniversary mark is. Sure. Just for like- no reason. Like, I'm just like, it's kind of like I came up, I did this thing, you know, it's gotten well over, well over two million views in like a year and a half. And it's kind of funny to just, like, I don't know if I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> If you're just like, well, I guess we'll just wrap it up. I've accomplished all I wanted to accomplish with this little thing that started. Yeah, I mean, it was literally I did it because I was bored. Like yeah. I did, and I don't like I'm not. I don't consider myself really good at video stuff. I just think that I'm good at picking a spot that like, you know, bands can do their thing. And like, I, I don't, you know, not to like, I'm rambling so much, but I don't care. Um, right. People like. A lot of other, like, you know, there's so many sessions now and it's gotten, it's gotten ridiculous because it's like, you know, now that there's so many sessions, like bands want to do all of them on a tour. And it's like, why do you like, like, that's stupid. Like, I get that you want to keep having all that press, but like, you're basically just going down, like, you know, going down the ringer of having an acoustic video, like uploaded every two weeks of your band. And I just, you know. I don't think people care that much. Yeah. Um, except, you know, some of the bigger bands they, they do, but like I, you know, there's so many of them now and I was definitely not the first. Like I think Daytrotter owns they were not the first people to do sessions obviously because John Peel and stuff like that. Right. I think Daytrotter as far as like independent music goes, like outside of like BBC stuff, they were the ones who like own like, everybody is ripping Daytrotter off. Of course. You know, obviously, like, Daytrotter didn't do video in the beginning, but, like, you know, so anybody who thinks they're doing something, like, just know you're ripping Daytrotter off. Right? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, that's, um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've hit everything I wanted and more, Ryan. You are a, uh, you were very, talkative gentleman and i like that because usually i find myself doing most well not 
always, but you know, I tend to talk a lot too. So you beat me and that's a good thing. That's I mean, I guess it's kind of like, I mean, I ramble, but at the same time, like when I, I, I would not have done this interview if I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Well, good. And I'm so, I'm not necessarily secretive, but like, I'm so weird about doing stuff that I usually just don't because I don't want to like, I just think people don't care what I have to say. Yeah. And, and which that may be very well, well true, but, uh, you know, so when I do get the chance and I am comfortable, like, I feel like that I have stories that I should have been sharing the whole time. (laughs) Right. You're like, here, I I will, this, yeah, like you said, when you do feel comfortable, you're like, yes, I can unleash this onto the world now. And this is an okay thing. 